Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. And if true crime is your jam, and like me, you enjoy delving into unsolved cases, trying to figure out who done it, please consider subscribing. Also, if you find value in my content, please hit that like button. Imagine being 16 years old again. It's the morning of Friday, August 5th, 2022. You head downstairs from your bedroom and you chat with your mom about your plans for the day. You're going to see some friends, maybe hit the gym. You also talk to your mom about your plans to go camping and hiking with friends the next day on Saturday. You end up hanging out with a friend Friday afternoon and together you make creme brulee. Throughout it all, you remain in contact with your mother via text messages. August in Truckee, California, which is a 30-minute ride from Lake Tahoe, is starting to cool off. There, mid-August, signals the end of summer. Days are still warm, around 84 degrees Fahrenheit, but evenings can be chilly as the temperature drops to between 66 and 61 degrees Fahrenheit. On average, on this day, your summer tan is still upon you in all its glory. You're feeling your youthful beauty as you don a black spaghetti top bodysuit and a pair of dark green chinos. You're wearing all your bling, multiple earrings for the piercings that serpentine their way up your earlobes, and a favorite layered necklace, a gold one that you've been wearing constantly since you received it. You don't bother to bring a jacket or sweatshirt because you don't want to carry anything. The tattoo that you have on your rib of the number 17 isn't showing, but that's okay. It's your private symbolic message. It's an extra special night because a huge bonfire party is planned at a nearby campground. All your classmates will be there to celebrate your and their recent graduation from high school. It's a last hurrah for all the newly graduated seniors before everyone heads out on their separate life paths. College, full-time jobs, and so on. Although you're just 16, you've managed to graduate early with honors. You've got it all. Beauty, brains, and boldness. You're also a social butterfly. At 5 feet 7 inches tall, with long blonde hair, hazel eyes, and a big smile. People gravitate to you, likely because you give off a warm, friendly vibe. Your parents adore and support you and your mother has sent you off to this party with her approval. She knows you best, and you're not the type to blow off her concerns. You've got your iPhone 13 with the sex wax sticker on the back to stay in touch. At some point, mom crawls into bed with the knowledge that you will wake her once you arrive home, and only then will she really fall into a deep, worry-free sleep. That was Kylie Rodney's life, 
on the Friday night slash early Saturday morning that she disappeared. It was Friday, August 5th, 2022, and everything was all right with Kylie and with her family. Let's go back to the start of that evening. At 6.08 p.m. on Friday, Kylie is captured on a surveillance camera at a trucky business. She's wearing the outfit we just talked about. A black spaghetti strap bodysuit, green dicky pants with a black grommet belt, and black vans on her feet. Around 9.30 p.m. or so, Kylie leaves to make the 30-minute drive to the Prosser Family Campground in Truckee, California. She's driving her 2013 silver Honda CRV with a sunroof. Her best friend, Magdalene, or Megs, is with her. Megs is planning to meet up with her boyfriend, Ross, once they get to the campground. Kylie and Megs arrive at the party fashionably late, around 10 p.m., and they go straight to the area known as the Sanctuary. When they get there, they see that the party is much larger than expected. There are anywhere from 200 to 300 people gathered. In fact, it's the biggest party the kids in Truckee have ever had. Young people from as far away as San Francisco have turned up, as have some unknown male adults, guys over the age of 18. Some of these dudes try to push bong rips on Megs to the point where she's feeling pressured, uncomfortable, and a tad intimidated. Ross hasn't arrived yet to keep these other guys at bay. Heavy drugs are also allegedly around for the taking, and the booze is flowing. In this town, mushrooms and cocaine are said to be readily available. It's even been reported, but not officially confirmed from law enforcement, that a drug dealer was at the party. And that person allegedly may not be cooperating with the authorities. Again, that's hearsay, so don't write it down as being 100% true. That's just the word on the streets and on the Reddit threads. Once Ross arrives, he and Megs decide to leave. It's not clear why they left so soon. It might be because Megs was uncomfortable with those guys coming up to her with the bongs. After Megs and Ross depart, Kylie runs into a party friend of hers, 18-year-old Samantha Sammy Smith. I'm saying Sammy's name because she's put it out there on interviews with reporters and on lives with YouTubers. And there are about 10 to 15 more friends in Kylie's close-knit group from high school at the party as well. Sammy tells Kylie that she arrived at the campground around 9 p.m. Sammy will later tell reporters and those YouTube creators that she and Kylie were at each other's sides for most of the party except for a few moments when they parted to talk to different people. Sammy says that she and Kylie did shots together and shared their boozy drinks. Now I'm thinking that at age 16, Kylie maybe didn't yet know her body's tolerance for alcohol, 
Doing multiple shots can soon get a thin person without built-up alcohol tolerance into a vulnerable state, too intoxicated to walk straight, too intoxicated to know who among the friends and strangers is trustworthy, and too inebriated to safely drive home. Or did someone pass her something in a drink that she didn't know about. During this bonfire soiree, some of the teens use boxing gloves to fight each other. It's apparently a favorite form of entertainment for this group of classmates. They've done this type of thing before. Sammy Smith says that sometimes real fights break out over who won the boxing match. We know for certain there was a fight that night, but the details surrounding it remain murky. Whether it had anything to do with Kylie's disappearance remains to be seen. At some point, Kylie gets cold, and she borrows a white sweatshirt with pink writing that says, Odd Future. She was seen wearing this sweatshirt in a video taken the night of the party, although Sammy never mentions Kylie wearing any type of sweatshirt. It's also been said that Kylie was later seen with a dark gray hoodie sweatshirt sporting the following lyrics from a Lana Del Rey song, You don't want to be forgotten, you want to disappear, end quote. This sweatshirt has been said to belong to a friend of Kylie's. Some are saying that it belongs to Meg's. Law enforcement seem to think the dark gray hoodie was in Kylie's possession when she disappeared. Now, according to Annie Elise of Ten to Life, she doesn't believe those Lana Del Rey lyrics are prophetic in any way. A source told her that Kylie and Megs often went to concerts together, and that hoodie is likely just one purchased from one of those concerts. At 10.30 p.m., Kylie allegedly texts her ex-boyfriend to reply to a text that he sent her earlier in the day. This guy is someone from Napa that she apparently broke up with in January, but they continued to be friends. Despite Sammy announcing to reporters that Kylie was rocking the single life, it turns out that Kylie did have a boyfriend, a guy whose name starts with N. It's unclear if that boyfriend was at the party. According to Sammy, between 11 p.m. and 11.30 p.m., Kylie, Sammy, and some other unnamed friends went into Kylie's CRV to charge Kylie's phone. Sammy says she then asked Kylie if she could drive her home because her planned ride was leaving, but she wanted to stay at the party a little longer. Per Sammy, Kylie agreed. After they leave the CRV and head back to the party, something changes. Per Sammy, she says that at this point in the night, she noticed that Kylie was too intoxicated to drive. So she, Sammy, found another ride home. This is where Sammy's story goes off the rails for me. What happened that suddenly made her decide Kylie was too drunk to drive her home? And why, if she thought Kylie was unsafe to drive her, did she not make sure that Kylie came along with her in another person's vehicle? Why would Sammy leave Kylie there in that condition, knowing that she was planning to drive her car? Friends don't typically do that. It doesn't make sense. 
Sammy has said she thought Kylie might just sleep there or find another ride, but that doesn't sit well with me, knowing that there were older guys at that party that no one knew. I'm finding it very hard to believe that Sammy would really leave her behind like that. And I'm also thinking that if she did, that's a lesson for everybody. Don't leave your friends behind and don't let them drive inebriated or high or whatever. I don't want to blame Sammy Smith for Kylie's disappearance, but I do find it questionable that a friend would leave a friend in this vulnerable state and not be concerned about her safety. Something about this hour of the night is gnawing at me. Something doesn't sound right. And I'm wondering if Sammy knows more than she's saying. At approximately 11.35 p.m., Kylie texts her mother, Lindsay Rodney Neiman, and tells her she will be home around 12.15 a.m. Mom replies, okay, but wake me up when you get home. At 12.25, according to Sammy Smith, she and Kylie say goodbye. Sammy heads off with the person who's going to drive her home, and Kylie allegedly is still at the campground. According to law enforcement, Kylie's phone last pinged around 12.30 a.m. next to Prosser Lake. It was a Snapchat notification. At that time, the phone was said to be partially on land and partially near or on water. The police are saying that Kylie's cell phone was turned off around 12.30 a.m. and has not been in service since that time. However, when family and friends later tried to use the Find a Phone app, it appeared that the phone was still on. It was not showing where it was. Annie Elise said that she asked an Apple employee that she knows if the phone could work and stay underwater for any amount of time, and the person said no. So even though they say some phones are waterproof to some degree, they cannot withstand being in a body of water for more than an hour. Here's another very strange, unsettling detail. Sammy Smith claims that Kylie called her at 12.36 a.m. to ask her if she'd gotten a ride. Why would Kylie call Sammy at that point if they'd already said goodbye at the campground and if Kylie already knew that Sammy was getting a different ride? Sammy's detail here doesn't make sense and it contradicts her earlier statements. Could Kylie have used someone else's phone to call Sammy at 12.36 a.m.? Possibly. Sammy said that her and Kylie's conversation was as follows. I love you, good night, get home safe, and that's the last thing we heard of her, end quote. When Sammy was describing this call, she stumbled around a lot with her words. She also said something like, we were, I was, in the passenger seat. It seems unnecessary, first of all, to say that you're in the passenger seat when we already know that you're getting a ride from someone. And who is the we part? It seems so shady. Like, who's the extra person? Why did you say we? We were in the car. Kylie was supposed to meet friends on Saturday morning to go hiking, but she never showed up. Police have launched both ground and air searches, but have so far found nothing. A witness who was staying at a nearby campground 
saw a long line of cars arriving at the Prosser Park at 9.30 p.m. The same witness saw another line of cars leaving en masse around 12.30 a.m. The campground area is at a dead end. It's strange that Kylie's phone went dead right around the same time the party ended. But Tyler Feller on his channel mentioned seeing some photos from the same party that were time-stamped at 4.30 a.m. So if those photos are accurate, the party did not actually end at 12.30 a.m. A photo from the party shows a bunch of kids standing around. The ground is littered with garbage, and a white shirt lies in the mud. In the photo, not too many people appear to be holding drinks, but we don't know when the photo was taken. Was it at the tail end of the party? Hopefully, law enforcement can track down some of the kids in that photo and ask them exactly what went down that night and early morning. Unfortunately, a Google map reveals that there's a ton of water around the campground. I'm sure it's beautiful, but it scares me. There's Alder Creek and the Prosser Creek Reservoir. The latter is a man-made reservoir, and it's said to be about 57 feet deep. People canoe, paddleboard, kayak, swim, and fish in the reservoir. Note that people who live in the area have allegedly said to Annie Elise of Ten to Life that they don't believe Kylie is in the water. They felt that it was simply too hard for her to access the water during the party because people would have seen it. And it's also not easy to get to the water, apparently through the way out of the campground and on the roads back home. Let's hope that's true. Since Kylie's disappearance, Law enforcement has conducted ground and air searches, as well as ongoing water searches. Kylie's been described by Sammy Smith as a light, caring, beautiful, outgoing, outdoorsy girl. She loves to sing and play the violin with her grandfather. She's also highly gifted and graduated high school at age 16, as you know. Kylie's ex-boyfriend, the guy in Napa, has spoken to reporters, and while his name is floating out there, I'm not going to name him because of his age. He was said to not have been at the party. He told reporters that he texted Kylie earlier in the day and told her to be safe and don't do anything stupid. End quote. Strange advice to give. What was he worried about Kylie doing? Does he know more than he's saying? Note, however, that Kylie's family does not believe that the ex-boyfriend or Sammy Smith are involved in any way with Kylie's disappearance. The family also apparently is pretty well convinced that despite where Kylie's phone last pinged, that she's not in the water due to a car accident. And that's because where Kylie parked is not near a place, again, where it's easy to drive into the water. Note also that Kylie's mother has said that she would never drive drunk. Kylie and her mother had such an openness that if Kylie was to be drunk or high, she would have told her mom. She would have said, hey, I'm staying over here because I had too much to drink, or can you come and pick me up? I don't want to drive. This person also said that 
Kylie is not someone who would drive regardless of whether she was drunk from alcohol or on some sort of drug like mushrooms or cocaine. Since Kylie's disappearance, there was an alleged sighting of a silver CRV in Arizona at a Circle K in Mesa that a person believes had Kylie's license plates on it. This person is someone who has a habit of looking at license plates, apparently trying to figure out what they mean. If that was Kylie's CRV, it's unclear who was driving it. We'll have to wait for word from law enforcement on that. Now, sadly, the spokesperson for the Placer County Sheriff's Department has had to announce that there are adults who may be advising their children to remain mum about what went down at this party. She expressed that no one is interested in arresting teens for drinking or doing drugs. All they want to do is find Kylie. And I would say to these parents, if they are doing that, imagine if Kylie were your daughter. Would you want other parents telling their children not to talk and not to share what they know? If the parents are so concerned, then they should hire lawyers and allow the lawyers and their kids to talk to law enforcement together. That way the children can be protected. Some people are finding it strange that Samantha Smith is taking on an unofficial spokesperson role for the case. She has said some contradictory statements and has used the past tense to talk about Kylie. It does feel like Smith is inserting herself into the investigation. Is it simply because Kylie is her friend? Or is she trying to hear all the tips and information firsthand for some reason? I'm not accusing her. She's only 18 years old, but it's a normal question to ask in a true crime case. We've seen situations like this before, and sometimes people involved in a case will insert themselves into the searches. What's interesting is that Sammy's parents apparently own a private eye firm. However, the firm specializes in employment issues, so it's unclear if they are advising their daughter on what to do, what to say, and how to help in the search for Kylie. Anyone with information is asked to email sheriff underscore tahoeinvest at placer.ca.gov or contact detective Stephanie Freikberg at 530-392-5609. You can also submit tips anonymously at 530-581-6320, option 7. Kylie Rodney is 5 feet 7 inches tall and 115 pounds. She was driving her 2013 silver Honda CRV with a sunroof and a sticker of a ram on the rear window just under the blade. The CRV's license plate reads 8YUR127. Both Kylie and her CRV are missing. There's a $50,000 reward for information leading to Kylie's return.
And there's a GoFundMe to help with the search. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Now, if you found value in this video and you appreciate the hard work I do over here at Bed Crime Stories, there's a way in the comments section to do a super thanks as a way to support the channel. Now do me a favor and smash that like button.